Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, Draft Knicks, here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft Nation. My name is Joe412, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. Before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts, all for free, all the time. For those of you who have not listened to our show before, Draft Nation uh, is a national e-magazine that hyper-focuses on all four major sports and their professional drafts. So if you like aspects of player scouting, you love to read those mock drafts that pop up every week in version 7.0 on all of our competitor sites. Uh, free agency, learning about your salary cap provisions for each of your teams, and, of course, the needs that your teams are going to have in upcoming drafts. This is the place for you. And with me tonight, I have an NFL scout. I've got Ken Podolak of Night Sports Productions. He's a big-time contributor to Amped Up Sports as a correspondent and commentator. He's been doing that for over 25 years, he's an athlete himself, and he was an NFL scout for Blesto's. Ken, welcome to Draft Nation, and are you ready to go on the clock? Sure, Joe. Uh, happy to be here with you. Let's roll. Well, it's been my pleasure. Well, look, I'm going to get right into it because I know you're an NFC East guy. Uh, and, you know, at this point in the season, um, you know, who do you see winning the NFC East? It looks to me like you've got – you know, two two real contenders and two pretenders uh, to put up with there. And it looks like this is going to be Eagles versus Cowboys all the way to the bank. I mean, am I reading it wrong? 
Um, not at all, Joe. I think I think you've stolen my notes, but uh, let me try this. <laughs> as you know, as you know, the conference championship in the NFC East rarely repeats unless a team can concentrate talent. And as it turns out, both Philly and Dallas have done just that this year. Dallas has had a lumpy last two games, but has dominated the weaker teams on their schedule. Philly, on the other hand, has had to deal with some very high expectations from their fans from the Super Bowl trip last season. The Philly faithful would say that the team has underwhelmed so far. And that's typical Philly fashion, right? I mean, if you know anything about Philly, the Philly fans are never happy. Well, most other fans would say, hey, they did what they had to do to win the game. So until Dallas gets past Philly in the postseason, I see Philly as the best team in the NFC East, and it lines up exactly with what you said a second ago. I I think you hit the nail on the head here. I mean, the the Eagles look to me, save for perhaps the 49ers, if they can all stay healthy, as the team to beat in the NFC uh, forever. And and it's rare for me to say something like that because it is hard for any team to repeat, not just as – as division champs, but also to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, th- these Eagles, man, they just, they look like they can, you know, they don't look sharp yet. They don't look like they're playing their best game yet. But, you know, they're undefeated. Uh, and the Cowboys are 3-1 and one and really went in there and, and pulled a stinker in Arizona. I don't know what happened there. But, you know, speaking of the Cowboys, you know, there's something about that team that looks like it could just put up 40 points on anybody. But, you know, I, I'm also used to seeing Dak Prescott kind of fade he always seems like he's somebody that you know might not be able to get them over the top he's just good enough to keep them there but you know Tony Pollard's having a good uh season CeeDee Lamb's coming into his own that defense looks legit even with the loss of Diggs I mean are the Cowboys in your eyes terrifying should Eagle fans should should Washington Commander fans should the you know obviously the Giants fans are cowering in the corner after what happened to them a few weeks ago but is this is this team that terrifying to you well, in, in Philly terms, them's fighting words, but let me see if I can shed a little <laughs> light on what you just sure. said. Um, you know, after week two, some writers in the country classified the Cowboys as, quote, utterly dominant, end quote. And they were against the Giants, 40 to nothing, and the Jets, 30 to 10. But then the, quote, powerhouse Cardinals put a beat down on them for 28 to 16, so not so yeah, quote, that all pro Josh that. Dobbs, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they did bounce back and they soundly beat, you know, the New England squad, thirty-eight to three. So they are dominating the weaker teams, but they they, they slip back into being overconfident and therefore vulnerable. And catch this, especially when Dak tries to do too much, which I think he tried to do in that Cardinals game. So not consistent enough to be classified as terrifying in my mind so far, but from what I've seen, the changeout of their offensive coordinator, they let uh, Kellen Moore go to the L.A. Rams because of the quick outs in the postseason. But to me, that seems like it's a scapegoat move. And placing Brian Schottenheimer, and we'll spell that M-I-K-E-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y, as the offensive coordinator, that feels like a desperation move on McCarthy's part. So just making the playoffs is no longer good enough to get the heat off McCarthy 
they must go deep into the postseason and catch this, one day soon win it all. The last Super Bowl win for the Cowboys, do you know the year? That'll be in the 90s, It was 1996, over 25 years ago. So don't say that too loud, otherwise the Cowboys fans will start crying. So anyway, (laughs) uh, against the Jets, they shortened up the passing game for Dak, and that worked. I think that's the way to attack a top-tier defense, to shorten up that passing game and then mix the run in. So in my opinion, as you pointed out, Cowboys have a really good roster, but it's not deep. Once you get past Prescott, Pollard, Lamb, Brooke, or Cooks, and Gallup on the offensive side of the ball, and then you look at Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, and by the way, big loss, Trayvon Diggs, the names Very are nice. really walk-ons, if you will. So the Cowboys are really walking a tightrope with not having uh, a, a bench deep enough to carry them in the event of some injuries to those key players. Parsons looks generational. He reminds me of T.J. Watt. He reminds me of J.J. Watt. He plays a different position. Uh, he's, he gives the Cowboys defense that positional flexibility uh, that they, they need. He just looks like a, a man amongst boys out there. But with the loss of digs, it's going to catch up to them. Uh, and I think yeah. you can run at Parsons, right? I think that the if there's a, a, a weakness in that defense, it's if you can run at them. And I, you know, I, look, they, they tried to address in the off season when bringing in Smith in, in the draft from from Michigan. They, they they've tried to fill those holes. Um, and look, I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, right now they're flying high. It's early in the season. We're one month into it. We're one quarter of the way, the quarter pole, right? So we've got a long way to go. But you know. I'm just I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. I mean, NFC East champion in whole. I mean, how far if whether it's the Cowboys or the Eagles and nothing against the Commanders and the Giants, but let's face it, they're not the teams to beat this year in the NFC East, but how far does the NFC champion go? I mean, does the Super Bowl go through Big D or the City of Brotherly Love or or is San Francisco going to have something to say about that? Yeah, Joe, I'm going to jump on that in a second. I just want to reflect on the Micah Parsons comment because I am a giant fan of Micah Parsons. He is a game wrecker. You can't plan for him other than what you said, which is to run at him. And that's exactly what Philly did in the first game last year. And quite frankly, Micah Parsons looked very pedestrian in that game because they caught him in no man's land a lot of times. And that was the maturity, you know, of the Eagles quarterback figuring out how to isolate a guy and take him and take him out of the game. Anyway, back to, you know, how far the NFC East champ um, can go. I think you pointed out uh, some very good points about the other teams, the Giants and the commanders. Their rosters are just not strong enough this season to compete with the big kids in the division. And we saw that last night. If you watched Monday night, Football, I mean, the, the Giants got pants. I mean, it was terrible. Um, but the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be in the hunt for getting into and through the postseason. I think the lack of depth is going to hurt the Cowboys somewhere along the way. And I think that fatigue might hurt, you know, the Eagles somewhere along the way. And I am concerned that the Eagles' pass defense isn't good enough to get to where the defense can reliably get off the field. 
But, you know, after that, one of these teams is likely to play in the last game of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I, if if you had to put me on the spot, I'm going to say it's the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl. I said that on a, on a couple of other shows uh, over the last few weeks. I just, as much as San Francisco looks like they are, I hate to say it, I mean, are they peaking too early? Those guys are, they have a history of injuries and frailty there and, you know, they just, they look really good. I think that, you know, if I hate to say if you're a San Francisco fan listening to the show right now, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're not happy with me, but I just think the Eagles have everything it takes to get back in that defense. Yeah, it's just going to come together at the right time. I think the offense is doing just enough, uh, and it'll just get better and more efficient as the season goes on. But you know, regarding the Eagles, I mean, what were your expectations coming out of camp this year for them? I mean, this is a team that, you know, lost a heartbreaker in this in the Super Bowl uh, maybe got there a year earlier than people anticipated them being there. You know, really had a lot of young guys play. Now they also had a lot of old guys that were playing, some of which are no longer on the team. You know, but the, you know, I think that you know the blend of you know stalwart veteran play coupled with emergent young talent for the Eagles over the last couple of years, especially at the quarterback and wide receiver positions, uh, and we can name some on the defense too, but. You know, ultimately, the team I think has done really well and might be positioned. If you ask me, I think they're there. If I had to pick someone today, it might be them. But for you, I mean, what what were your expectations for this team coming out of camp? Well, you know, it was a great year last year to be in the Philadelphia marketplace with what the Phillies did in the World Series and what the Eagles did to get to the Super Bowl. Two, you know, fantastic rides. So Philly fans naturally were over the top excited it was like when you were growing up growing up remember when it was saturday night and you were having your favorite dinner and maybe it was pizza and you just got the biggest slice of pizza i bet you were smiling from ear to ear i know i was well yeah. that's what eagles, that's what eagles fans were like coming into this season and coming out of camp i was a little bit more down to earth due to the loss of both of their coordinators Defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon went to the Cardinals, and offensive coordinator Shane Steichen went to the Colts. Now, new defensive coordinator Sean Desai and new offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, I thought were going to take some time to get into the groove, and that's why I wasn't over the moon uh, optimistic. Plus, you know, the whole Super Bowl hangover thing, that, that's very real, uh, but they seem to have overcome it. I thought they would be a good team, a good team, but start slowly. So my picks for the first four games were really three-point games, while the Philly Fanatics' expectations have been flat-out blowouts. So their performance early this season has been a source of frustration for the fans. Keep in mind that the fans have two 10-year vets on both lines. Defensive line has Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. They're very familiar names. And the offensive line has that other Kelsey and Lane Johnson, you know, plus the new additions who get referred to as the, quote, Philly dogs, end quote, the Jordan Davis and the Jalen Carter combo, both Georgia alums, you know, that gives them depth on the defensive line. So even having a guy like Derek Barnett on the second and third string who could start on some other teams really helps. That's that's the depth that you need to overcome the injury uh, risk in the NFL, in my opinion. So I think the Eagles have the best offensive line, 
and one of the best defensive lines in the game. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you watch the Tampa game, the safety that the defense scored, I mean, everyone watching knew they were going to get a safety on that play because they were all in their quote-unquote jet takeoff stances, and the Bucks totally ignored that and tried to play an old dive play out of their end zone, which failed badly. The result was two points for the Eagles and a big-time momentum gush for Philly. So now Philly sits with four wins on the season. And guess what? The coach is being challenged on local sports outlets to justify a 4-0 start to the season. Only in Philly, right? Only in Philly. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Only in Philly is that not good enough. I mean, and let's face it, you mentioned, you know, the fact that you guys have basically imported the University of Georgia Bulldogs defense uh, over the last two years. (laughs) You know, this is a draft show, so it's hard to miss that kind of draft uh, just proclivity. I mean, what, you know, Howie Roseman's done in, in just literally drafting anybody that he can out of the, the Georgia Bulldogs program has been ridiculous. And they've gone and they, they plug and play, right? Like, like you got, yeah. you got Jordan, you got Jalen. Those guys look like they, I don't, they don't look like the real deal. They are the real deal, you know, but so you know, Joe, I, what this, this, yeah, the question ahead. that comes to mind, I'm glad you mentioned that the Georgia Bulldogs The question that comes to mind for me is, is Howie smarter than everybody else? you know, in in the league or not, because in my mind, he's betting that the Georgia Bulldogs are better than an all-star team from all other college programs in the country, right? Isn't that it? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. To some degree, I mean, it's like it's position by position. I mean, it's hard to it look sitting where he sat in the first round and having Jalen Carter fall in his lap is is not genius as much as it is. I mean, you could make the argument that he waited and he traded and he moves up and down and he's one of those guys that are always going to be active on trade day and before trade day uh, or draft day. I mean, as as part of that, but you know, when you 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 know, it just picking up Nolan Smith and. The, you know, the, just last year, just or even Keely Ringo, and what was it the third round, the fourth round? You guys got Keely Ringo, yep. six foot three, you know, corner. I mean, that kind of stuff. That's a ridiculous talent at that level because someone somewhere at, at a combine said he had stiff hips, right? Like that guy yep. was dominant in Georgia. You know, I realize yeah. it's the collegiate level and it's not the pros, but like that kind of size doesn't come along all that often at that position. There's there's only a few guys that could stack up. You nose to nose with a DK Metcalf with a Megatron type guy, and Ringo's got the size and speed to do that. And to, to pick him up later, I mean, it's hard to argue with how he's doing. And and maybe it's just coincidence that it's just all the, the Bulldogs are there at the top of the draft board every time. But it's almost laughable at this point where you're, everyone's making inside jokes about it, right? So that's the only reason I brought yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, he did have to have the onions to make that pick for Carter, right? I mean, there was significant uh, cloud oh, sure. over him. And well, yep. to, to this day there are, but, you know, he has made good strides in overcoming that, and he's a terrific player, as we've seen. 
staying on that on that subject for a second, then, because you know you mentioned earlier that the coach is under fire for a four and zero start. Like, what yeah. happened in those first couple of games? I think you started down that path a little bit, and then we got sidetracked on my draft talk. But um, you know, what happened in those first couple of games that anybody would would question a coach's four and zero start after you know you know, basically a Super Bowl run the year before? Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I've got about, you know, four or five things that I can think of off the top of my head. Number one, rust. I mean, there's no preseason games to speak of anymore. The first four regular season games are now the new preseason games. So, I mean, I expected all the teams to be underwhelming, and the Eagles and the Cowboys included. You know, the Cowboys started out fast out of the gate. Um, I do think that in the first couple of games for the Eagles – that Belichick's 5-5-1 defensive strategy was brilliant. That neutralized Hertz RPO by causing indecision for him. And I think other teams are copying and have copied that. So they're going to have to stretch, you know, Hertz's mind for, you know, how to overcome that. But that was, uh, to me, a significant piece. The the fact that the league gave the Eagles a short week schedule did not help Philly overcome that lack of a meaningful preseason. They had a key injury in Avante Maddox, which has now led to their biggest weakness for Philly, and that's a thin pass defense. And you know teams are going to try to take advantage of that. So maybe maybe just a little bit of that Cowboys hype was making it into their heads um, a little. So. So for the first couple of games, the offense really underperformed because everybody thought the offense was going to go gangbusters, and and they sputtered. And then the defense, especially the linebackers, which I have criticized in recent years uh, and was very anxious to see how Philly's linebackers would play this year, they overachieved, you know, even though the games were tight. So when I ask this question, is doing just enough to win the mark of a good team or a failing team? When you consistently do just enough to win, I think that's the mark of a good team. I mean, after all, is it winning the goal? So, you know, Eagles and Hurts are now 20 W's out of 21 games. Let me say that again. 20 W's out of 21 games. Any other team in the league would trade anything almost for that. And then the weird world of Philly fans – some are asking the coach to defend a 4-0 start, only in Philly. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned a few things in there before I get to my next question that I think are, are noteworthy, right? I mean, first of all, the 5-5-1 element that Belichick brought to stop Hurts and his RPO offense. I, I, I mentioned that only – and I'm going to use a, a strange analogy here. About 20 years ago, there was a Philadelphia Flyer goaltender named Dominic Roussel who in his, yep. as his rookie year, he came into the league and dominated the first half of the season. And as I was watching the Penguins play the Flyers at that time, the Penguins were very – it was the Mario Lemieux era, and they were going to, you know, figure him out. And one of the things that Mike Lang, the, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Penguins, said was, don't worry, fans, the Penguins will solve his riddle. And the <laughs> idea was – behind that was, hey, look, this guy's really good because no one's ever seen him. But this league's too smart for that, and they'll figure out his weakness, and they'll conquer that, and then it, can he as a player overcome that? And Dominic 
wasn't able to do that. I mean, he was he was a you know he was a serviceable goaltender for a long time. I don't want to get, not cast aspersions in any way, but that's I'm using that to kind of compare the Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had this emergent season and a half, has become a star in the league, uh, but you know other teams and defensive geniuses like a Belichick are not going to just say, oh, we're going to, we can't beat them. They're going to figure out a way to stop them. And then could Jalen overcome that? And as a quarterback, Steve Young used to say all the time that a quarterback gets better every 20 games they play. And, you know, I think that, you know, Jalen's at that precipice where it's like, all right, I'm starting my 20, you know, I'm, I got through that first rung. And now that the teams have kind of figured me out, how do I get better as a quarterback? So they can't stop me that way. Right. So, you know, and maybe you said this and, and maybe we're talking about it, but like, do you see, what are the key elements of the Eagles for the Eagles' success this year to get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, for me, it's it's a couple of items. First and foremost, it's Coach Sirianni. I mean, look look at his competition in that division. You got Mike McCarthy, you got Ron Rivera, and you got Brian Dable. Well, to me, McCarthy still looks, I'll say, puppety, right? Uh, Rivera gave away the game last week with a bad coaching decision not to go for two late in the game. Duh. And, you know, Dable's Giants uh, got destroyed last night. So, I mean, I see Sirianni working hard at the mental part of the NFL. Most players are physically equal. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the league, right? So there are lots of upsides that I see if you can improve the mental aspect of the professional athlete. And I think that's what Sirianni has done. This means that he's got them focusing on winning attitudes, building trust, having a building mentality, constantly working to improve. He says this all the time, one play, one day, one game at a time, right? So Sirianni is really good at that part of the game. And maybe this is why Jeff Lurie selected him for his first head coaching job because of the mental aspect of his approach, and that stood out from other coaching candidates. So from what I see, he takes pride in being humble. He keeps things in perspective. He's never too low, never too high, although he can get excitable, as we've seen, right? And here's the catch. Right. The quarterback thinks like a coach, probably because he has been through more than his fair share of high-pressure situations. I mean, think about his history, being benched in a national championship game, starting over the next season in another program and excelling there, right? And having to negotiate the whole Carson Wentz replacement thing. You know, Hertz always says things like, quote, left too much meat on the bone, end quote. I mean, that's coach speak. Right there. Uh, one on one. Yeah, that demonstrates his mental outlook during the long season. So, Sirianni, that you know, went um, the the quarterback is a coach. They've been lucky with injuries. You know, the Eagles having ten or four, or four ten plus year veterans in the trenches speaks to that. And finally, we've sit, we, we talked about Harry a second ago. Their GM is in sync with their coach. You know, he finds hungry players and challenges them to prove their worth, like DeAndre Swift, the surprise of the season, right? So Yeah, they, love that move um, from the day they did it. Well, how, what yeah. a cheap – they got that for nothing, for it nothing. Was a Kid comes home, Absolutely. has a chance to get out of a bad situation into a good one. It's perfect. Yeah, and, and Howie, by the way, he'd rather take the risk 
of paying a player for future performance rather than having to regret paying for the past performance. And to me, that seems exactly. to be a wise, a wise path. Yeah. 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 Well, let me switch gears on you here because we've talked a lot about a, everywhere else except for the obvious strength of the team, which is in the receiving core. And, you know, I hate to say it because, you know, Philly fans, Terrell Owens, he was kind of a diva, you know, you know, AJ Brown, I love the guy. I think he's a great player. And I think wide receivers always get that diva tag put on them sometimes. And maybe in, in many instances, it's not necessary. Uh, but in your opinion, is, is AJ Brown a diva wide receiver there? Or is he uh, more humble than, than most, most people think? Well, it's funny you should ask that because the framework for your question, I think, is the heated exchange that took place that Sirianni had to jump into between Hertz and Brown in the second game of the season when I think it was clear yeah. that Brown was not being targeted, right? So truly only three people know for sure what was said on that sideline, Sirianni, Hertz, and Brown. But my, my view of that scuffle was I think Brown is an alpha receiver. And he was just pointing out that he and other receivers were open and, and Hertz was missing them. Never mind that the opponent's defense was on his tail. So, you know, I, I see that as positive competitive energy because Hertz and Brown are truly besties. And that includes family connections. So the bottom line is Brown is a monster wide receiver, right, which was on display in last week's game versus Washington if you had a chance to catch it. And I see, as I see it, quote, unquote, game changers, you know, players that have extraordinary talent like A.J. Brown, they want to change games. You know, they're gifted at football, not interpersonal skills. So exactly. um, yeah. that's what I see out of A.J. Brown. Well, look, we're, we're almost at the end of the show. We only have a few more minutes here, so I'm going to ask you one last question uh, before uh, I wrap it up. Uh, other than Jalen Hurts, which is the obvious answer to this question, uh, who on the Eagles has to stay healthy for them to get back to the Super Bowl? A couple of points here. The First off, the, the safeties and the DBs, as I said earlier, earlier, Philly needs to do something to shore up that safety and DB roster. Um, Regarding the, the, the defense, you know, offensive coordinators have figured out that Philly is overly impressed with their own defensive line. So, you know, they can let their DBs play off 10 yards even when the D-line is rushing five or six. So that bend but don't break, you know, Nick Fangio school of defense, you don't give up the big play defense. Well, to me, that leads to a passive defense. And I, and I think that ends up hurting elite players like Darius Slay because it can get in the way of their pedal-to-the-metal defender that Slay is known for, that bump-and-running man-to-man. Maybe maybe that explains part of the narrow victories that Philly has posted in the season. So between the DBs, the the tight end, Dallas Goddard, he's a key to the running game, Uh, uh, and and there's not a a quality backup uh, for him. And the linebackers, you know, N'Kobe Dean is already hurt, so he was their depth, uh, so they're thin, uh, they're thin there. And I guess my final point on that uh, question would be the area of football knowledge, you know, play calling. Um, Brian Johnson, he has to improve 
in key situational calls. He's the new offensive coordinator. Um, the example that I would draw to is the play called late in the Washington game. They were third and 11 in the red zone. And Washington's got a good defensive line. And Johnson dials up a zone read run play. on a, Trying to get 11 yards out of a zone read run, like he has to give his offense a better chance of success yeah. than that. So, well, look, man, um, I hate to even, cut you off, but we're right up against it. I've got 30 yeah. seconds left to go. I want to thank you, Ken Podolak, for being on our show today. I, I know that uh, people are going to want to find you. I'm going to tell them they can find you at Night Sports Productions and check you out at Amped Up Sports. And, again, thank you very much for being a guest on the, on the show, and a thanks again to our sponsor, iHeartRadio, uh, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. And remember, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Thanks again, Kevin.